Foles. Unless you want to play the piano the whole time. Um, last week, Sunday morning, we talked about the awkward silence, which we covered a few stories in the Bible where people experienced silence. Some, um, they weren't able to speak, and others, God seemed to be silent. But one of the stories we looked at, perhaps the most awkward of silence of them all, uh, was the story of Zacharias. And uh, this was a man who went into the temple, able to speak. He had an angel show up and tell him that his elderly wife would have a son and that they would name him John. And he would lead the way for the Messiah to come. And um, then he was told that he wouldn't be able to speak until a baby was born because he didn't really think this could happen. He needed another sign other than the fact that his wife would have a son. And months later, obviously, that's how... It works. A bouncing baby boy was born to an elderly Elizabeth and a mute Zacharias. And when the time came to name him, his mother told everyone that they were going to call him John. And the people figured that this old lady had lost her mind and was taking advantage of her poor husband's muteness and the fact that he couldn't argue with her and going rogue and naming their only son some crazy name that they had never heard of and knew no one by that name. And so they asked Zacharias to write down what he wanted to name the baby. And he wrote, his name is John. And immediately, Zacharias was able to speak again. And the awkward silence was lifted. And through that, God had worked and moved. And God had done something in his life and in his family's life. And what was Zacharias' response? What our response should be to these times of awkward silence that we go through. It says, And his mouth was opened immediately, and his tongue loosed, and he spake and praised God. Praise is our response, and praise needs to be part of our life. As children of God, we need to be praisers. We said this morning that the book of Psalms is basically the Hebrew or Jewish hymnal, and they would sing these songs during times of worship. I know we read them and we don't really see them. Maybe Some of them we see as songs because we put music to them, but all of these were psalms, even 119. Imagine we got together and sang that one. Sometimes we sing the songs with like four verses and we're like, that's enough. This one had, I don't even know. 176. Yeah, but <laughs> that would be a lot of singing. I don't know if we'd stand the whole time or not. But uh, they would sing different songs in the little book of Psalms through uh, different times of the year when they went about their day. They had songs they would sing before morning. The priests would sing um, certain psalms in the temple. They would recite them and sing them at certain times of the year or during feasts or festivals or different sacrifices and all sorts of things. And there are psalms of worship there are psalms of lament. There are psalms of anger and psalms just trusting God and all sorts of things. Everything that we experience in our life, there's a psalm for it. It's a pretty incredible book. And we looked at one of the psalms this morning. Uh, but there was a time in Israel's history, like we said, when they were in captivity and they refused to sing anymore. They refused to sing their songs they refused to sing their, their songs, and they hanged up their harps on the willow trees, it said. They put away their instruments. They stopped 
singing and praising and worshiping God because they found themselves in a less than ideal circumstance and situation. They just couldn't do it anymore. And there was a mess in Israel's history. And they were so overcome and so overwhelmed with what was happening in their world and their lives that they stopped their singing. In Psalm 137, like we said, it says, they hanged up, we hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. And they let their circumstance, they let their surroundings cause them to stop praising God. And again, we said this morning, I don't ever want to fall into that place personally. And I pray that we don't as a church. I don't want us to end up there. There have been times that maybe we've come a little close, but I pray we don't get to the place we just don't want to praise anymore. I don't want to sing anymore. A good way to keep our focus on God and put our praise in the right place is to look, like we've mentioned, in the book of Psalms. Some of us, we have short attention spans. Um, but surely we can all pay attention to this psalm that we're going to look at tonight. Psalm 119, it is the shortest book in the entire Bible. 117, not 119. That's the wrong one. 117. I have 117 written, I just can't read. The shortest psalm in the end, or chapter in the Bible. And so we're going to look at Psalm 117. We're going to go through it. And when I say, I say go through it, but it's only two verses. Psalm 117, just a little information about it because I know you all love it as much as I do, but it, again, it's the shortest chapter in the Bible. It is the middle chapter of the Bible. The very center of the Bible is Psalm 117. Um, some other versions of the Bible have it listed as 116. I don't know why, but they do. In the original Hebrew, it only has 16 words. You know, people complain about songs now. Call them 7-Elevens. Same seven words you sing 11 times. 16 words, that's not very long. That was a psalm, that's all. This, they've been doing it for years. In the original Hebrew, I guess, 16 words. Martin Luther wrote 36 pages about this psalm. I'm not going to go through as much as he did. But there's a Jewish prayer, it's called Halal. It's a, a verbatim recitation of six songs in order from Psalm 113 to 118 and 117 is included in that. It was recited by the Jewish people on specific holidays as a prayer of praise and thanksgiving especially or specifically during their three big festivals Passover, Shabbat with a Feast of Weeks just connected to Pentecost and the Feast of Tabernacles they would sing uh, all of these psalms during these times. And during the Last Supper, which takes place during the Passover, Jesus with his disciples, it says, in Matthew 26 and 30, says, when they had sung a hymn, a hymn they went out to the Mount of Olives. And this was most likely this passage of psalms that they sang together, which is pretty neat, in case you're ever wondering that. Now you know. One of the things, uh, like I said, I think we sometimes forget when we read songs that these are lyrics. These are actual songs that were meant to be sung. And they were sung by the congregation, by the priest, uh, and by families. And so we're going to look at Psalm 117 uh, after that long introduction, if you're still awake. It says, Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise him, all ye people, for his merciful kindness is great toward us. 
And the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. We'll read in a different version because it's not long. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. For great is his steadfast love toward us. And the faithfulness of the Lord endureth forever. Praise the Lord. So we're going to split this into two sections because there's two verses. We couldn't figure that out. Um, the first section we're going to call the call to praise. And this short song starts off with a call to praise. But this call is different than most in the book of Psalms. Usually the psalmists are calling for Israel to praise, um, for Israel to worship her God. But this says, oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise him, all ye people. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all people. This is a little bit different than most of the other psalms. It says, praise the Lord, all nations. Everyone is being called to praise God. This psalm isn't about just the nation of Israel. This isn't just about this group or that group. Or praise the Lord, all ye Pentecostals. Or praise the Lord, all ye uh, Baptists or Catholics or Lutherans or whatever. It's just praise the Lord, all peoples. As, uh, as people, we like to, for whatever reason, break us up into groups. We like to divide ourselves. I don't know why, but we do, even in church. We send the kids downstairs. We have youth events. We went to one last night. Some of the people didn't get the memo. But it was for youth. <laughs> they said they were youth with experience. We have seniors events sometimes. We have married couples things. We have men, ladies, ministries, and all that. And then um, some churches have different language services and different culture outreaches. And all that is good sometimes. Different groups have different... Uh, needs and unique circumstances, I understand that. But the one thing we all have in common is the call to praise God. The psalm implies that we are doing this all together. We are all being called into praise, every one of us. And this psalm is part of a prayer that was prayed by the entire nation of Israel. It was part of their, their songbook. And they were very much um, an us versus them um, mentality, and then, but yet here in this psalm, God is reminding them that this is bigger than just them. He's showing his heart that God, as John wrote, so loved the world. This was not just for one group of people. He's pointing to the promise that he made um, to Abraham. He says in Genesis 12 and 3, I will bless those who bless you and to them, or to him who honor, dishonors you, I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And that was a struggle. But in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And for the most part, the nation of Israel looks at the Gentiles with prejudice. We've been talking about that on Wednesday night for weeks. But in this psalm, God is reminding them that his mercy and his grace wasn't just for them. It was for all people. And the same can be said today. There's no room for prejudice in the presence of of God. We are all called to praise Him. All peoples from all over, from every background, every language, every nation, every province, state, city, town, village are all called to praise God. And since this is part of the Hallel Psalms, that was, which were sung at Passover, and Jesus most likely sang it during the Last Supper with His disciples, we know that and we can be assured that on the eve of His crucifixion, Jesus had all mankind on his mind, all peoples on his heart. And through his work on the cross and through his 
resurrection. God would call a people to himself from all over the world. The disciple, the apostle John, during his revelation in the book of Revelation, when he sees heaven, he describes the people he sees as this. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. You see that in heaven, John has a vision and he sees all people, every nation represented, every tribe, every people, every language, all crying out in praise together. And that's what the church is about. We are called to praise and God is looking for a people who will praise him. And the call has gone out to all nations. Praise the Lord. Extol him, all peoples. Praise and extol here means to laud, which means to say praiseworthy things about a person. Don't just absentmindedly praise him. It means to think about what he has done. Think about who he is. Think about the things that make him praiseworthy. And the writer will give us a couple of reasons in the next verse as to why we should, in case you couldn't think of any yourself. But some have tried to argue that the all peoples here is referring to just the Jewish people. As in the Jewish people and all the different nations, perhaps, because we like to do that sometimes, don't we? Uh, clearly the Bible doesn't mean that. It means something else. Obviously it means some. He said all, but clearly that wouldn't mean all. That would mean some. God so loved the world. No, he loved the people I loved. And, you know, we, we made all we... No, we don't. You don't do that. I know. Oh, I only have to obey this part of the Bible. Clearly the rest, I don't know. But that, I'm not sure. I'm not sold on that. We like to pick and choose. But Paul in Romans quotes this psalm in support of the Gentiles being in the church. It says Romans 15, 9 to 11. And in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing your name. And again, it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and the people extol him. He's referring back to this psalm that they would have known. Peoples here suggest different tribes, cultures, or groups, probably within the nations. Even in Nova Scotia, we have many different cultures. We have First Nations, we have Acadian, we have the Valley. We've got the South Shore. That's a whole different thing. We've got the city people. <laughs> Very different. We've got Cape Breton. They don't even talk the same. Sound like they're from Newfoundland, some of them. we got people that moved here from elsewhere. In fact, Nova Scotia is home to over 100 different cultures and ethnicities from around the world. So not only is the call to praise him for different nations, but it's also specific to each group within the nation. Praise him, all nations. That's easy. All we have to do is send one person to each nation and have them praise God. Or 250 or so, boom, done. We did it. Woo, let's go. Color quits. But every group, all peoples, that makes this a missionary type song. There are a couple of those where it's focused on Getting this out there to, to everyone. The call to praise God is for everyone. Everyone you meet. 
Everyone you see, everyone you come across, we are all called to praise him. No matter where we come from, no matter what our background is, all the things we use to separate each other, our age, our looks, I don't know, whatever. We like to, all those things are the very things that God is using to call us to praise him. Praise him, all ye peoples. And then we have the reason for praise. Verse 2. It says, for his merciful kindness is great toward us. And the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. In the other version, it says, for great is his steadfast love toward us. And the faithfulness of the Lord endureth or endures forever. Praise the Lord. One version translates it as merciful kindness. And another says steadfast love. And in this instance, they mean the same thing. He shows his steadfast love to us through his merciful kindness we praise him because god doesn't change he loves us the same today and he will love us the same tomorrow and he loves us the same yesterday i left that one out and he shows his love through his merciful kindness god is kind to us he gives us mercy he loves us and that never changes the psalm writer says not only does he have merciful kindness or steadfast love for us, but it is great toward us. Now to us, great means something like better than or large or a better version of something. But here in this context, the word great means strong or mighty or prevails. His merciful kindness or his steadfast love is strong towards us. It's mighty towards us. It prevails over what? Over sin, over Satan, over hell. What does Paul say about the love of Jesus in Romans? For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, or things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When you can't think of a reason to praise God. Praise Him because He loves you. Praise Him because there's nothing that can separate you from that love. Praise Him because of His mercy. Praise Him because of His kindness. It's great toward us. Who is this us? All the nations, all the people who were called to praise in verse 1. And the psalm ends with a reminder. In the King James Version, it says, The truth of the Lord endureth forever. In the English standard, it says his faithfulness endures forever. They have the same meaning in Hebrew. They come from the same word. It means firmness, faithfulness, or truth. We praise him because his truth lasts forever. His truth doesn't change. His faithfulness doesn't change. It endures. Whatever you try to do to it, whatever the world tries to do to the truth, whatever the world tries to do to undermine the faithfulness of God or the truth of God, it will endure. It will last. And the truth is he loves us. The truth is he has mercy and kindness toward us. And it's going to last. In a world where things change so quickly, morals and ideals change so rapidly, God's truth does not change. God's truth is solid. His faithfulness endures. His truth endures. And I'm 95% done. I haven't preached short in a while. We're going to have some tunes. Thank you. So we need to praise Him. We need to praise Him. Whatever you're facing today, 
Whatever we're going through, whatever's happening, we can praise Him. Whoever we are, wherever we're from, whatever nation, whatever people we're from, we can praise Him. Even if things around you are changing, even if things around you are, are shifting, we can praise Him because He is the same. His love is the same. His truth is the same. His faithfulness is the same. His mercy is the same. His kindness never changes. In a world full of disappointments and inconsistency, we can praise Him for His consistency. And so together we're going to praise Him again. We've been called to praise Him. I don't have a big emotional altar call. We're just going to praise Him. It's what the Bible tells us to do. Sometimes we just need to praise Him for who He is, for what He's done. We've been called to praise Him for His love, His faithfulness, His truth, for who He is, what He's done. Psalm 117 is the center of your Bible. And everything centers on praise. Everything hinges on praise. Praise keeps everything in the right spot. Keeps our eyes on the, the right things. Keeps everything lined up where it needs to be. It keeps our focus on God and not the issues. When we learn to praise at all times, we said a couple weeks ago, continually, in all the spots we find ourselves in, you'll find yourself right where you need to be. Praise puts us right where we need to be in the presence of Jesus. So one more verse on 150 and 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. I think we're all breathing still. Some of you I'm not sure. I think we're all still alive. So we can praise Him. We're called to praise Him. Everything that has breath, praise the Lord. We're going to sing a song of praise. Let's praise Him. You want to come around the front? You can do that. You want to praise Him in your seat? Praise Him. But let's just take some moment tonight. Some, some time tonight. A moment. Let's take some time tonight. Let's praise Him together. Let's thank Him for who He is and what He's done. Hallelujah. Jesus, you're worthy. Praise. 